Fast my. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm Dolan Mercer. We're going to take a look at all things fair trade in the next hour, as today is the halfway point of fair trade fortnight. Before I begin, I should signpost you to a website, fairtrade.org.uk, where you can find further information. But I'm joined in the studio by a panel of guests to tell us more. Wendy Shimmin and Phil Crane are from the One World Centre here to tell me about what fair trade fortnight involves. We're also going to discuss the Isle of Man's fair trade island status, the recent primary school's fair trade conference, as well as a bit of a history behind the fair trade concept and all that comes with it. Also joining me in the studio are John and Catherine Corkish, who used to live in Garstang, the UK's first fair trade town. I'm going to ask them to draw upon their experiences of going out to developing countries to see the impact fair trade schemes have. So, Mr Crane, if I could come to you first, give me a bit of background about what fair trade is. Well, fair trade um, celebrated its 25th anniversary last year, so it's been around quite a while now. And it's um, it's the fair trade mark is a guarantee that I'll chapter. The fair trade mark is a guarantee that certain social, environmental, and economic standards have been set. Um, so you know that if you're buying a fair trade product, tea, coffee, chocolate, bananas. A wide variety of things you can be sure that you get um, the farmers in developing countries the farmers producers they will get uh, a fair wage for their labor they will you can be sure that the product's been made according to social environmental standards in addition to the fair wage the farmers uh, the producers will get a, a fair trade premium which they decide their group or cooperative decide how should that be spent maybe on a local school or whatever um, and so it ticks all those boxes social economic and environmental um, and they're mainly small-scale farmers because they're the ones who are the poorest the most marginalized who don't have access to markets or price information and 82% of all fair trade workers and farmers are these small-scale farming groups. You mentioned the logo and you held it up briefly if you wouldn't yes. mind uh, just just pointing it at the camera for us. It's, it's a logo that lots of customers will be pretty familiar with now I would say. Um, certainly to be found in, in most supermarkets, most shops. Yes, um, widely. In fact, um, one third of all bananas now bought in the UK are fair trade bananas. Um, some stores, like the, the co-op, you can only buy fair trade bananas. There's, there's not, there's, there's no other types of bananas there, and it, it's, it's really gone mainstream in, in many things, particularly tea, coffee, beverages. Um, chocolate bananas but also a far, far wider um, range of goods so yeah it's 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 becoming more and more mainstream and it's it's had you know year-on-year year growth and that's that's uh, bananas are the best example one-third of a total you mentioned that it's um, the concept's been around for 25 or 26 years now mm. um, where did it begin and why well I think in the late 80s there was a widespread global decline collapse in fact of the coffee price and it was in reaction to that that produced a lot of uh, poverty particularly among the the small-scale farmers in those um, developing countries and so it was a, uh, a Dutch organization called Max Havilar which in 1989 I think brought out the world's first fair trade product it was chocolate from Mexico 
um, and it was sold, um, marketed in, in Dutch supermarkets. Max Havelaar was a real Dutch person who in Dutch colonial times stood up for the rights of plantation growers in the Dutch colonies. Um, and so Max Havelaar started that, uh, that brand. Um, I think it was about um, five years later that the in 92 that fair trade foundation got off the ground in the uk that was a combination of ngos um CAFOD, oxfam christian aid and the federation of women institute and tradecraft they got together to um to form this um, fair, fair trade foundation and the uk's first fair trade product i think was chocolate bar from brazil green and blacks in 1994 um, you've mentioned a bit about some of the principles behind the concept. Um, is it as simple as um, an economic model whereby the money that you pay for the product as the consumer reaches the uh, the, the, the the point of origin? Yes, there's there's a, quite a rigorous auditing check um, by an independent organisation called FlowCert, which goes um, out and they independently checks that these social, environmental, economic standards are are are, are in place and are reaching the, the the farmers. It's just not going to the, the the bosses in the in the plantation. It's actually reaching down, and that the fair trade premium is being well spent. We've met. We've spoken about the fact that it's become quite an established model now but to begin with what were perceptions like in the community do you think and from consumers well i think there were some doubts when do you know, um, say a bit more but certainly i remember um at, at our church you know there was there was the the, the kind of the, the kitchen mafia was saying oh this is this this is this is dishwater you know we're not, we're not going to have this but you know that so well, our, is that based on quality or <laughs> um, taste Taste and it and, and maybe in, the, in those early days it it it, um, it it wasn't to everyone's liking but you know um, that that's no longer a valid argument at all we've got such a range now um, of of coffee strong weak um, every strength that you know but it's 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 good stuff but I think that was an initial barrier to to overcome which has been successfully overcome price. Um, was and is that always is um, you know the, the um, in a way this is a, a model which doesn't follow market forces and so you, um, the, the consumer here in the Isle of Man yes has got to pay a few pennies extra mm. for for it but um, you know that they they have to be persuaded that it's worth it and it will be it will bear fruit further down the line. So if I could open this up to the rest of the panel then, um, why is it worth it? Because it works. We've seen, for, Catherine and I have seen for ourselves that um, we've had the opportunity to visit some of the uh, some of the producers of the raw ingredients that uh, that go into some of the products. So uh, we've seen the banana plantation uh, that provides the uh, the fair trade bananas to the co-op, for instance, um, and we've seen for ourselves. The results of the uh, cooperatives and Cause, so cause forth. This changes communities, doesn't it? And, it and does. Lifestyles. It does, and this is where it's important to recognise that there is this fair trade premium, which is a little bit extra, which, as Phil says, goes to the community, and they decide for themselves how they want to spend it. Um, so it may be uh, a school, it may be providing toilet blocks. It may be providing uh, 
accommodation for nurses so that they can be on the spot in the village, as it were. So it works. I think, sorry. I think it's important to remember that a lot of these farmers and producers are in very rural areas, mm. uh, quite hard to get to, not much transport in many cases. Uh, and before fair trade came along, they were really at the mercy of uh, sort of uh, local or in-country um, business people um, who they didn't have much negotiating power. Uh, and because most of the fair trade farmers and producers uh, take part in a cooperative manner, so they'll group together, it gives them a lot more clout, a lot more power, uh, and also they can therefore agree easily for what they want for their community or to, to make their farms um, more sustainable. So is it about countering exploitation? then exactly principally yes. in the first place yes yes yeah in fact that was a, a tagline for one of the fair trade fortnights a couple of years ago wasn't it shut out exploitation so exactly um, do you think that the consumer um in the western world if i if i use a, a canopy term um is aware of that process and is aware of the impacts at origin that you're that you're referring to i think we're all very divorced these days from where uh, food and any product, you know, we buy them from the shop and that's as far as we think quite often. Um, uh, so one of the big uh, things that the One World Centre and the Fair Trade Group are interested in is educating people, you know, that you actually buy your choices. So you might just think you're, you might be standing in a supermarket choosing between two chocolate bars, but your choice can actually make a difference to somebody halfway around the world. And what work is undertaken um, by organisations in developed countries to try and promote that awareness? Well, fair trade, um, I'm not quite sure how many countries are sort of retail fair trade. I think it's over 20, obviously the more advanced developed countries. Um, we can only speak for the UK and the Isle of Man. We, there's a very strong fair trade movement uh, and uh, John and Catherine here uh, were from, uh, from Garstang, which was the original fair trade town, um, which are just ordinary people uh, realising that this was a way that they could make a really simple but effective difference. Um, the fair trade organisation in the UK is very broad. It covers churches, schools, uh, the general public communities, business. Um, so it does touch all corners of society. Um, in some notes that were that were prepared on my behalf very kindly, so thank you. Um, there's a difference to be made between fair trade, fairly traded, and things like the Rainforest Alliance. So can you explain to me where where that distinction lies? Yeah. So you've got fair trade is sort of the ultimate label, if you like, where you can, if you see that fair trade logo you know that it meets the, the pro that product meets all those standards that Phil was talking about earlier. Um, you can also get other fairly traded goods, um, food and products, uh, which are um, traded in, in a fair manner, but they don't actually meet those standards or they're done through another system. Um, things like Rainforest Alliance, uh, you'll see that on tea and coffee, uh, and people quite often think that's fair trade. Um, Rainforest Alliance is all about the environment uh, and looking after rainforests, but it doesn't have the social and economic uh, elements that fair trade does. So, so it doesn't so have that fair price for the farmer. There are some transferable principles, perhaps, but maybe, in a, maybe in a smaller way. Yes, yeah, they're more concerned on just one aspect, whereas fair trade you know, is across the whole gamut. How over that 
25, 26 year period has the concept developed, do you think? Well, in terms of the number of products, it's over 4,000 products now, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't see so many in the supermarkets here, um, but you can get uh, fair trade blueberries, fair trade tomatoes. Obviously, you know, what you can get here is the wine. There's a great selection of fair trade wine here. Because we, we, we mentioned the beginnings, which um, were coffee, chocolate, things like that, which bananas, which perhaps people um, more stereotypically associate with this, but become you, you, become you, you, a much bigger batch mm, of I mean, products it, it, uh, cosmetics um vodka mm. uh gold gold which is mined responsibly um i think you can even buy a um a non-drinkable coffee for enemas which is fair trade <laughs> okay <laughs> cheers <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one. Oh, footballs yeah you Cotton garments, yeah. you yeah. know that that's yeah. that's big. Shakti Man in in Ramsey, if I'm allowed to, to to give a plug, fair trade shop, and um they they do great stuff up there. But a lot of that that much of that is is garments. Now, um some some organisations can't um uh, afford the, the 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 auditing process that goes with them. So a lot <laughs> of those garments doesn't have the fair trade foundation mark on it but nevertheless you know Lenny takes a lot of care to source responsibly when she goes out to Nepal and Cambodia so she's got that direct purchasing now to 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 get the fair trade stuff so it still goes under the fair trade mark but a lot of garments and, and gifts in that shop so from the consumer's point of view there's an element of trust in this process perhaps yes. which you can't necessarily guarantee elsewhere. Is, is that is that sort yes, of what you're getting? Yes, the trade mark does give that independent audit, though. So there is, you know, there is that, that helps that trust to, to to be in place. There's an analogy to buying Manx. You know, a lot of people will buy um, Manx stuff because they, they they want to know they want to see the Balakujig label on it, whatever. So that gives them confidence that it's 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 in the Isle of Man. And the same thing, you know, people will pay a few pennies more maybe for a Manx product. Well, let's talk a bit about provenance, if we could, because. Um, You've mentioned comparisons with Manx produce. Again, stereotypically, people probably as associate fair trade products perhaps with with African countries or with South American countries. Mm -hmm. Is that is that predominantly a um, the case, or yeah, is it, it from is all over now? Generally, because that that's where the poverty is, um, and so you 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 generally won't get fair trade produce of, of items which could be produced in um, in the UK. Or, um, or indeed the, the EU generally too. It's um, you know m most of the the, the raw materials um, come from there. I mean, often products are um, shipped from Africa to Europe, and the value added is put on them. Uh, pineapples can be canned in Europe. You know, chocolate can be um, made in Switzerland, but it's the the raw materials that come from Africa. Um, and just another thing I wanted to pick up on: there have been a few mentions of the co-op in lots of um, discussion we've had so far. Um, a, a, a brand, a name which we'll all be familiar with, I would imagine, on the Isle of Man. What role has the co-op played in all of this? Well, they were really the first supermarket mm. to embrace fair trade and introduced lots of fair trade lines into their shops. Um, they were the first one to uh, go for only fair trade bananas. Uh, in recent times, they've also started to use fair trade ingredients in their own branded goods, so any chocolate, co-op chocolate, in an, uh, as uh, an element of another product should be fair trade. Um, so they really sort of highlighted the way uh, and other supermarkets have followed, um, but they were a bit of a trailblazer initially. 
And, and you know, I guess that goes back to what fair trade's all about. You know, it's helping small cooperatives in other countries. So there's a natural synergy there. You would you know, always expect the co-op to do that. Um, and I mentioned at the top of the programme, we are within uh, fair trade fortnight. Um, tell us a bit about what that event is, what it represents and what the aims are, perhaps, if you could... Yeah, so Fair Trade Fortnight is uh, two weeks each year uh, for groups, communities, schools, churches to focus on fair trade. Um, it's always the last week of February and the first week of March, which makes it very easy to remember. Uh, and there's usually a theme um, each year. This year it's uh, cocoa farmers and particularly women cocoa farmers. Um, Outside of fair trade, you might be surprised to know that cocoa farmers generally might only get paid 73 pence a day, but women cocoa farmers probably only get 21, 22 pence a day. Um, so fair trade are really trying to um, do something about that imbalance. I think it's sort of fairly rarely well recognised now in international development terms that uh, if you can uh, help women's income and education it tends to help whole families and communities so that's uh, where the focus is this time in, in the in the developed western world um we perhaps take equality legislation and things like that for for granted almost a bit now um a, a, a stark reminder that these things aren't present across the world that's correct yeah yeah so there are differences culturally and uh, from a legislative point of view as well um, uh, so fair trade are really sort of concentrating on trying to bring those women forward. They've got lots of uh, plans, uh, and you know there's a lot of women out there that are running farms by themselves. And um, anecdotally, I don't know whether Kath and uh, John can uh, back this up. Mm. Um, women spend typically spend more time on the farm yeah. uh, than a lot of the men. Mm. Uh, yes. Does, does does that ring true with your it, experiences? It does. From my experience, uh, we had a, a few years ago. Uh, a trip to Ghana uh, in conjunction with a fair trade um, organisation, Tradecraft, if I may just say that. Uh, we went to Ghana um, to meet the cocoa growers that produce the cocoa beans for divine chocolate bars. And it was an ambition of mine and um, it was a really good experience. Um, the Cocoa Farmers Cooperative at Coopa Coco um, were men and women and although we laughed about it uh, there was some difficulty obviously in, in um, language at the time um, but we all agreed that uh, it was good to see um, women sitting with men um, and that desire to, to, to farm together or just having a small um, uh, small farm I, I, I feel yeah. like I've spent a lot of the time mm. so far just sort of banding about some stereotypes but you yeah. do tend to consider yeah. it as being male dominated yes because i i think we all felt that um, but when we entered the room we were invited to uh, um, uh, to a meeting um, a formal meeting really we met their president because um, the secretary was a lady and there were various other ladies there um, and um, they worked very hard yes yeah, equal, equal pay and um, equal terms of conditions. So, mm. in 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 some parts of the world, perhaps um, equality is is more at the the forefront. Yes, it's mm. very important, mm. and it is that the women and the men have an equal say mm. in the running of the cooperative. Have you had experiences where that isn't the case? 
not on the visits that we've made, no, because we specifically went to see yeah. uh, fair, fair traded, fairly traded. No, start again. We went specifically to meet producers who uh, worked, who, who who provided produce under the fair trade label. Um, so you've mentioned uh, Ghana was the example I think you were talking about just before. Um, could you talk us through some of the other places you've visited and perhaps some of the things you've seen and some of the maybe some of the differences between them? Yeah, well, we had the opportunity in uh, 2011 to go to South Africa uh, and we visited Nepal in 2013 mm. uh, and uh, Ghana in 2015 and they were all very different experiences. Um, the visit to South Africa was ostensibly to visit wine farms which wasn't much good for me because I don't drink wine but still it was an interesting experience uh, to see the conditions under which uh, farmers worked uh, and if we wanted to to taste the wine uh, because South Africa is a very large producer of wine. Is that, is that quite a well-trodden path in South Africa to go and to go and visit the uh, the, the, the production process and, and see how these things work? Well, some of the large wine companies do take visitors, but the the companies that we visited were chosen especially because they produce fair trade wine. But one of the snags as far as South Africa is concerned and their wine is that although they, on the particular farm that we went to visit, um, uh, Fair Hills, um, all their wine is produced to the fair trade standard, but because the market is not sufficiently large enough to be able to sell it all at the fair trade price, they have to sell it at the uh, uh, at the market price, as it were. So in that case, they don't get the full benefits of fair trade. Um, in South Africa, was <coughs> it only wine you were interested in? Um, well, excuse <coughs> Well, we, we uh, went to see the, the same farmers, um, sorry, some some of the farmers in the north region, um, near up the Orange River in the, in the very north of South Africa, uh, of the Cape, and um, they were growing the grapes for sultanas and raisins that fair trade um, company Tradecraft will be putting in, say, their Christmas cakes or cookies or their muesli um, and that was very interesting to to talk to the farmers and um, and see the community projects as well. Mm. Unusually <coughs> uh, we went to visit a, uh, a cooperative in the Highveld uh, which works with a, a, an NGO associated with the University of Cape Town where they uh, they produce Ruibosch, red bush tea and there they use a mixture of uh, uh, of wild wild plants uh, and cultivated plants. Mm. So it's a relatively small market, but it does go to as far as Europe, to the USA, mm. and they do pack and they uh, they have their own label for sale in in South African shops. Mm. So you can buy red bush tea, which is fair trade. Mm. Where are these um, products that? you were um, seeing the origins of 
destined for? Were they were, were they coming to Europe? Were they coming to the UK? They go all over the world. Mm. Um, that was South Africa, 2011. Um, what was then different in Nepal and what did you see there two years later? Well, that was very interesting. And it was very inspirational too, to be honest. Um, we visited an organisation called Get Paper Industries, or GPI for short. Um, this was a, a family-based business that was founded in uh, 1985, but now it's a co-op and it employs 400 workers, uh, mostly women. And they are paid at the same rates as, as men are. Um, and they have committees who decide how the, uh, the, the, the profits are shared. Uh, and they work very, very closely uh, with Body Shop International. They produce the packaging that for, for, for all the countries in which Body, Body Shop uh, operates. Mm. This, this sounds um, mm. something closer towards almost like a socialist model, perhaps. Fair enough. Or is that, or is, or, or is, is that a simplistic explanation? Um, I think it's a model of cooperation. Yeah. Yeah. It is cooperation. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. And they meet the fair trade standards too, so mm. that particularly with the environmental aspects, um, they use recycled cotton and paper waste. They use jute and banana leaves. Mm. They uh, recycle their wastewater. Uh, and they use non-toxic dyes, but one of the points is that four percent of their pro of their sales revenue goes into social development programs. You've also mm -hmm. mentioned um, in in the, the the notes here that that's had a big impact in education in the country. There. Well. Um, well, GPI in particular support seven schools, um, encouraging uh, boys and girls to attend. And I know some of the schools, they're one of the schools we visited and they put on a beautiful display of music and dance, um, were all wearing the, a uniform. So they find it's important that each child has a uniform and has a bag to take to school. And that's what GPI, the paper industry helps through um, that special premium, that extra money is there available for the communities. So, um, so it's they're entitled to having a scholarship. Um, there will be books and teacher salaries that are paid. Um, so not all that sort of cost falls on to the families, because um, if a poorer families. Uh, wouldn't be able to send their children to school, as you can imagine. We're very fortunate here on the island. Um, but for those children, the marginalised children, um, have that support from those very early years. Mm. I think the overarching point about lots of the things that I'm hearing is that these are things that we take for granted, mm. um, yeah. which evidently mm. aren't available to everybody yeah i mean um, some of these communities mm. they, they have very little in the way of uh, education uh, some of the children might get a primary education but uh, they'll be lucky if they see the end of primary school uh, a lot don't go to secondary school uh, there's no nhs in many of these countries um, um then you know there's not even electricity in some places mm. 
Um, so, you know, it's a totally different experience. You mentioned healthcare um, or the, 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 the NHS model we have here. Um, are there any repercussions for healthcare in some of the some of the, the, the places we're sending um, this money to? Well, yeah, <clears throat> we mentioned um, uh, the village that we went to in uh, in Ghana, which is um, close by where they grow fair palm, fair trade, fairly traded palm oil. Um, they built a uh, some nurses' quarters because it was a long way from the nearest health post, mm. I suppose, so that they were able to have nurses living and working there in that particular community. And that's, that's one particular example. It could just be access to clean water mm. and, and sanitation yeah. yes. as well. I guess it's, it's just something that's very difficult to try and place into the imagination people for people on the Isle of Man um, that such simple commodities could be missing, never mind um, uh, even kind of its infrastructure or, or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, social welfare, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 you know, even things as simple as food and water perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We take so much for granted here, <coughs> you know, we, we, we switch on an electric <coughs> light and it, it comes on, we turn mm-hmm. a tap on and it comes on, you know, these, these things we take for granted and so many billions of the world's population just haven't got them. We've mentioned a bit about um, some of the places on the Isle of Man um, where we can buy fair trade produce and we do see um, labels in shops. Um, What would you like to see more of? We'd really like to see more. We we do quite well with um, uh, caterers. Uh, There's quite a lot of cafes that are using fair trade uh, products. We'd like to see some fair trade employers. Uh, I think that's maybe a group that's missing because we've got churches, schools. Um, so any employer out there who would like to swap their staff, tea, coffee, sugar, anything else that they might provide for the, their staff uh, so to fair trade, that when, would be very welcome. When you say fair trade employers, do you mean a guarantee that all of the produce or applicable produce used in that organisation would be fair trade? Is that, well, is that, is that, is that, to, that right? to start off, it would just it could be as simple as what's provided for the staff. And most yeah. employers will give tea and coffee mm-hmm. um, to their staff. Um, uh, if they can build it into their supply chain, even better. That's that'd be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but taking the first step uh, would be very welcome as well. One thing I haven't mentioned. Um, and it's a bit of an elephant in the room, I suppose. We hear an awful lot in Manx politics about climate change and about mm. um, environmental factors in all kinds of walks of life. Um, where do discussions about fair trade and discussions about climate change overlap? Well, it's a very real problem. Um, most places where there are fair trade producers, um, the threat of climate change is disastrous. Um, you know, they're subject to drought or flood already. Uh, things can only get worse. Um, so <clears throat> fair trade has made an effort to, um, I, I guess fair trade is all about trying to keep these farmers and producers on the land. Uh, so it's always had this sustainable element to it, uh, to look after the land for future generations. Would it be, would it be unfair or, or um, crude to say that climate change is undoing some of the good work of fair trade I think so I mean I think it would be um, you've got the um, 
the, those environmental standards are part and parcel of the fair trade mark. So in, in, in a way, it's, it's protecting. Um, th there's, there's no contradiction, I don't think, between fair trade mark and the, the climate change uh, agenda. These, it's, um, it's part and parcel of that. So if you, 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 you see that, you buy that fair trade product, you know that environmental standards, including the, um, um, the, the environmental ones, are, are there. I think it's, it's good to remember, too, that um, climate change is affecting developing countries now. I mean, for us, it's, it's for many people in the Western world, it's, it may be a vague and future threat, although don't say that in Lexi, but um, it, it it could be that you know that these countries are experiencing those um, extreme weather events now. You know, you you you've got far more cyclones and hurricanes, and they affect these very same mm -hmm. countries we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got um, sea level rise um, the beginning now. I mean, that will affect Bangladesh far more than it will affect, say. Um, Holland, you know, both low-lying countries, but Holland has got the resources to mitigate and to adapt, which Bangladesh, with nowhere over 50 metres, uh, hasn't. So, you know, that that's a very real problem that's happening now. Um, and, uh, and also, of course, it goes without saying, but those are the very countries that are least to blame for the problems of, of, of climate change. Because lots of these places are so far away, is there a, a difficulty in making... Um, the general public in the UK or on the Isle of Man um, able to relate to what's happening? It's always a difficulty and that's why it's so good to have the, the first-hand witness of, of John and Catherine because they have, have, have been there and, and, and seen the, the benefits that are there and they, they understand the problems and they've seen that this is one solution to them. Um, tell us about Garstang. Now, have I, have I pronounced that correctly? <laughs> you have. Very easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> <We're> fine. <laughs> I wasn't entirely confident. But no, you were spot on. Um, you talk to us about your experiences there, if you could. Well, we, we uh, as a family, moved uh, with young children in uh, 1995. And um, we were drawn there, I think, specifically... Um, of, of this little shop, I think it was had these under little toe, undertones of drawing us in. Um, so just just for context, you said ninety five, so that's yeah. as fair trade is kind of coming it's about. It's just coming up, you know. It's beginning to peak, and um, we had um, gone into a little shop attached to a church called the Mustard Seed, which is a one world fair trade shop. And it's a, just an ordinary town, is Garstang. It's in Lancashire, um, with very rural, uh, but a, a very important stopping place. Um, you know, lots of people come into the town for all sorts of reasons. So we, we've gone into this little shop, um, quite innocent of, of what the emphasis uh, and, and the full values of what they were um, enabling us lots of people to enjoy but it's a little shop so they call the mustard seed which is taken from a story from the bible where a very small seed will eventually grow into a large tree provide shelter for all sorts of birds so in a way that's what um has, has stayed as as the title of this shop because it has provided shelter for people to go into it but it has grown and grown in in the sense that um not necessarily the profits but money that is surplus 
um, is given away every year to uh, various charities and um, so it may well go back to um, to some well those producers we've mentioned already or um, or other charities uh, that um, are in need of, of a donation so we we've been established uh, ourselves as a family and then we got involved in the church and but the mustard seed shop has drawn us in over many years and we, we became volunteers. So is this a, mm. a link which you've maintained? Uh, even so, yes. Uh, we're always interested to know what they're doing. And this year in their fair trade fortnight, they're part of um, various activities that um, they are putting on in the town. Mm. What, what kinds of things are being hosted? They're having a, dr- a drumming uh, evening <laughs> um, and I think there's some chocolate tasting um, there's a fair trade banana ride as well yes <laughs> one, one of the members of the uh, steering group he, uh, he, I suppose he sponsors the uh, he's a very keen cyclist and he sponsors uh, his fellow cyclists um, by giving them a fair trade banana at the beginning of their ride You've mentioned here um, that Garstang has become um, a fair trade town. Um, Can you speak to us about that process? Do you want to? Yes. Um, There are a set of criteria that uh, a a town or the island is required to meet. Um, in terms of basically of commitment to developing the idea of fair trade. So for instance uh, in Garstang we needed to have some of the local politicians or the local town council committing themselves to use of fair trade items but providing support to the idea of fair trade. That was was one of the things. Um, And we had to list and give an account of activities which we undertook uh, to promote fair trade. And this is, this is um, a sort of a self-auditing uh, process which is, re- which is undertaken every two years um, to demonstrate what it is that we're doing. I don't know whether there's more you can add from the point of view of the island. Uh, when Yes, well, we've been a fair trade island since 2008. That's when the Isle of Man first got its uh, status. Um, so Garstang was the original fair trade town. Uh, and that, that was 2001, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Round about then, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's blossomed into other things. So you can have fair trade schools, fair trade universities. <clears throat> but we have the fair trade island status. Uh, again, it's something we need to renew every two years. Uh, it's slightly different here because of a sort of more unique <laughs> um, society, I guess. So rather than working with a local authority, we have actually got the Isle of Man government itself on board and their commitment to fair trade, uh, which they make every couple of years in Tinwald, is an important part of a renewal submission. Um, do, the, do the criteria, oh dear, criteria for <laughs> a fair trade town and a fair trade island have big differences no it's very similar um, but you just adapt it to the kind of um, 
society that you you are in so um you know we'll be looking for um people as i said before the the cafes and re- caterers to be selling fair trade the churches that support it and the schools that support it the education element is uh, very strong um fair trade foundation have recently um sort of reviewed uh, not so much the criteria but the way you report uh, back uh, and they're very much now uh, on numbers and facts and how how we how you've improved um, awareness raising or sales have been taken up um, so they really they really are trying to measure the impact that all the d- these different fair trade towns and groups are having by having to renew every two years keeps you on your toes because you could theoretically I suppose have their recognition withdrawn so it's a it's a, a stimulus mm-hmm. for us to keep on keep on working to improve the fair trade status as it were and I think I'm right in saying the first time we we, we applied we, they, they told us we're, we're not quite ready yet you know we needed mm-hmm. to do more so you know and we who, didn't get it first time who, around who adjudicates this sorry I, that's a key question which I neglected mm-hmm. to ask it's the Fair Trade Foundation the Foundation mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and so they do, do they send delegates here to um, to come and speak speak to you and see what we're up to on the island the, the, there's, a, there's a form we have to fill in yeah you know, there's, the a re- there's a report and, and you evidence it with examples of what you've done mm. so you have to have a certain number of, of outlets of restaurants of cafes of um, B&Bs of, um, so it requires the community to buy into it in order yes. for this to happen very much so yeah. mm. um, just to bring our focus back to the Isle of Man then and back to Fair Trade Fortnight um, here at home um, there's a, an annual fair trade conference, which is in its um, just well, you just had its eighth instalment. Is that correct? Tell yeah, us a bit about right. that, if you yeah, could. Yeah, that's, so that's this is one of the uh, projects we do that feeds into the fair island status, and also addresses the whole education piece for young people. So it's a fair trade conference uh, for primary school children, and you might kind of think, well, a conference for primary school children uh, is a little bit uh, boring, um, but It's a a fabulous day. Um, Government hosts it, so we're able to hold it in legislative buildings, which means we use the Barul suite upstairs, so lots of the activities, some of the other rooms, but most importantly, we're uh, given access to the Tinwall Chamber so that the uh, young people can actually have a debate. They're given a topic each year to debate for and against. Um, So it makes it a very special day for them. Uh, And the whole idea of the conference is to introduce the principles of fair trade and the idea of being a conscious consumer uh, to young people. Um, we find These are usually year five, year six students, so sort of age about 10 or 11, um, who, as we were talking about earlier, you know, just used to go into the shops to get what they want and have never really considered um, the supply chain beyond that. So it's always quite a surprise to them that, you know, actually their bar of chocolate grew in a pod on a tree originally because we spoke a bit about awareness um earlier in the discussion and and what people are or aren't aware of um again in in western developed countries perhaps um so this is instilling some of these values in young people um, yeah so it's it's an education it's a whole day about fair trade we have a, a speaker um uh, this year we had Heather Thompson, who uh, runs Tradecraft Exchange. Uh, she came over to talk about the work that Tradecraft were doing in communities, and she was able to bring in um, 
disability and uh, climate change as well. So that was that was great. That covered lots of topics. We've had Bruce Crowther, who was the original fair trade town initiator in Garstang. He came over last year. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, we've had uh, Shakti Mann did this keynote speech one year. I had lots of people. We've had uh, Fair Trade Foundation over as well. So there, there's one important speaker and then there's a carousel of workshops that the children do. It does include a chocolate tasting, which is always very popular. And we're able to get teams of four from 17 local primary schools to come. So we sort of try and rotate the schools a little bit as well. And the nice thing about this is that we run it in January um, and so we can then task the children with going back to their schools to share what they've learned and also to prepare some activities for Fair Trade Fortnight in their schools. Um, so uh, lots of great ideas at the end of the day of what they could do. Uh, children have a sort of an innate sense of fairness anyway and once things are pointed out to them that you know if you do this it makes someone else's life better um, you know they might be able to go to school whereas they can't at the moment that they really get it um, so they're always very enthusiastic um, ambassadors for fair trade when they go back to their schools um, there's some great things going on uh, you know the usual sort of thing like tuck shops and bake sales there's dressing up in fair trade colours um, all sorts of activities going on in the schools as a result of that conference. And that conference uh, actually won us an award um, for the first 20 years of Fair Trade. Uh, the foundation looked back over those first two decades and they awarded our conference uh, the best Fair Trade campaign across the British Isles for the whole of the 20 years. Uh, at the same time that Garstang received um, an award yeah. as well for being the best fair trade town. Um, we have in our office a, a, a small award which is in fair trade silver. Mm. I think you've partly answered this already, um, but how is the event received by children attending? Yeah, they, 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 they just they, get it. They, they're, they're receptive to the <laughs> they, ideas. They're very receptive yeah. and we're always conscious to have a debate in there where they do have to think about negatives, possibly. Uh, this year the topic we gave them was um, buying fair trade chocolate helps to save the environment and they had to argue for and against. Uh, so they come prepared with an argument for and one against and then once they've got their speeches out of the way they're allowed to change their mind. Um, so you know, it, it, the, we we do challenge them. Um, it, it, I was keen to say we, you know we're not trying to indoctrinate children into fair trade, um, but they just get the concept of it, and um, they they can obviously relate to uh, young people in places um, where there there is very little facilities, where there is no school, where there are no iPods, where there are no laptops. Um, so it goes down very well. Yeah, we always get really good feedback. Are adults, as well. are adults as easy to win over? Again, I think I think once you start thinking about it, it's a bit of a no-brainer really, isn't it? Um, I mean, one of the objections perhaps that we get here is, well, I, I support Manx. Uh, and it's, it's just so beautiful because fair trade complements Manx. We can't grow tea, coffee, sugar here. Um, there are a few crossovers. Honey is one of them, but I don't think the Isle of Man can produce enough honey um, to supply the demand. Um, so there's something there. And there's a little bit about flowers as well. You can buy fair trade flowers and obviously we can have local ones here. Uh, but there's, there's a great synergy between those things so that they really complement each other. Um, 
I'm looking for somewhere to, to end this and having a hard time. Can there's can a I, Facebook I, page I mean, in the group. Mm. We could encourage people to join our group, maybe. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do have one more question, and yeah. I think we will end on that. <coughs> yeah. is, is fair trade now a worldwide concept? It is. I think uh, the, many more, um, certainly the, the the Western countries are on board in, in Europe and North America. I think it's important to, to put this into the context as well, that, that we might think the, the opposite of fair trade is, is, is free trade. But in fact, when, when, when you look at trade, world trade is actually very closely regulated and we're becoming maybe more aware of that in a post-Brexit scenario. You know, the UK is now free to make its its own rules up. But generally, the Western world, if we're talking about the States or EU and or UK, um, we put a lot of tariffs and quotas on imports from developed countries into the West. So is there so, an argument to be made that this these sorts of discussions are more relevant than ever. Yes, and I think in, in a post-Brexit scenario, we've got freedom now. But it, it, if you're also that these these barriers to trade are, are heightened, the more the, the the element of manufacture. So if you're exporting from, say, Ivory Coast to EU, cocoa pods, you know, we we, we welcome them. There might be zero tar- um, tariff on that. But if if those cocoa pods turn to um, cocoa powder the EU puts a higher tariff on. If, they, if, if the Ivory Coast has got the nerve to make them into chocolate, we slap a high price on them because you know, Belgium and Switzerland want, want, want the chocolate profits and that's where the value added is. So you know, there's a point about lobbying our politicians as well to, to give more open access to, to developed countries. I think a nice way to end this, and um, thank you very much indeed all for, for joining us and, and for, for sparing your time. Um, We've heard an awful lot over the past uh, 40, 50 minutes. If people want to find out more, if they want to get involved, where do they go? Where do they turn? Okay, there's two routes. Uh, we have a, an Isle of Man Fair Trade Facebook page, which has lots of information. So if you're looking for outlets uh, that sell fair trade on the Isle of Man, or if you know any that we haven't got listed, uh, have a check out that page. Um, also, the Fair Trade group. We are a very small group. We're only about five or six or seven, possibly, um, members at the moment. Um, so if anyone's interested in finding out more, being an ambassador and doing some awareness raising, we'd be very pleased if you'd like to join the group and uh, you can get in touch with the One World Centre. Does that apply to individuals and organisations as well? Um, Yeah, we're we're just a group of individuals at the moment, but uh, we'll talk to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, as, As well as joining in, getting involved, doing things on a personal level, what can consumers be doing to uh, promote some of these ideas? Well, (laughs) certainly, I think we'd encourage everyone to um, have a word with their employer, their their school, their hospital, their workplace, um, to try to persuade them to to build in fair trade, not just to put it into the the, the canteen, but to to, to promote it into their supply chain as well, if possible. Yeah, it's it's quite simple, just ask for fair trade. Yeah, definitely, Mm -hmm. ask for fair trade. Yeah, some folks say, well, there's no demand so I don't stock it. But it's when we say, have you got, will you get, we can demonstrate Mm. that there is a demand for fair trade products. Mm. Well, thank you very much indeed to all of our panel of guests for joining me this afternoon. We've been hearing from Wendy Shimmin and Phil Crane from the One World Centre. 
Also from John and Catherine Corkish, who used to live in Garstang, the UK's first fair trade town. You've been listening to Perspective on Manx Radio with me, Dolan Mercer. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.